Hey guys, we have another overly gruesome case for you. This time, we get to go to a fun place called Fishtown. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. If you thought Fishtown was a sequel of our SeaWorld episode, guess again. Couldn't find any video clips of the case so here's some easy listening music to get you in the mood for this episode. Kylie's intro with hey guys so I couldn't use hey guys so I had to improvise <laughs> bought a hot pink cowboy hat tonight Woo-hoo. just continuing the theme of tonight yep, tonight's theme is western Tex-Mex y'all it's not this case takes place in like Philadelphia Philly. <laughs> it's fine I fucked up um hello my name is Athena <laughs> and my name is Kylie <laughs> and you're listening to Cryptic Soup does the little Disney logo. <laughs> That's what it felt like. Like, and you're listening to Cryptic Soup. Yeah. You just you can't make the noise. I can't yeah, make the noise. It's, little, it's just a little marker. Marker. Have you seen them like do the outtakes where obviously and they're not doing, doing it, it, but and it's, it's just so like, awkward. It's so bad. Makes me uncomfortable. When I came home tonight, I was wearing a hot pink cowboy hat, obviously. And our friend Colin was over and I started talking to him about my hot pink cowboy hat. He put it on. He looked like Doug Dimonome or Denzel Dimonome. <laughs> and then I had to explain to him why I bought a hot pink cowboy hat and what I was going to wear it for and stuff. And then we started talking about it. And then obviously I got on the tangent of Disney Channel stars because Rosalind used to be a Disney Channel star. And I was talking about the driver era. And uh, I think. Colin thought I was like making it all up at first until I started like, because I was like, yeah, he used to be part of a Disney band called R5 because he has siblings, Rydell, Riker, Ross, Rocky, and Ryland. Their names all begin with R, so there's five R's. So R5 was the name of the band they sang for Disney Channel. They were on a show called Austin and Allie and he Where played Austin. Going? I don't know. I was wearing cowboy hats, so I got to a country. And then they were in the teen beach movie. It's about teens at the beach. <laughs> talking and he's like uh-huh okay all right okay yeah and then i had to tell him about the fucking fiasco receiving six cds <sighs> yeah so that's my life anything you want to add about your life kylie so you know how i have a peter pan tattoo the people that sleeve. yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah, yeah a little bit sleeve. you know so my friend uh introduced me to peter pan smut what? So, yes, you heard that right. And so uh, you never have to worry for the iPad to not be charged because I've been reading Peter Pan's That's smut. what you've been doing? Yeah. Okay. It's insane. If, well, no Obviously, shit. he's not a child. Don't get the wrong idea. Yeah. No, I I didn't actually even think about that part. I just, oh, disclaimer. Smart. I'm not. Yeah, smart. <laughs> huh. This one time, <laughs> I made... I made Margie listen to me read her shronky, Shrek and Donkey smut. She was pissed. It was not good. It was really bad. You told me this story and it was the funniest um, story I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I think she wanted to break up that day. Luckily she didn't. <laughs> so that's all the fun stuff we got. Wait, wait. What? We're not too far away from Fort Wayne, right? So there's a Shrek ball. Shrek rave. 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 My nail tech is going to it. She asked if we wanted to go. This is a real life. They're dressing up and everything. This is a thing. Yeah. That's happening. Yeah. Should we go? My middle name's Fiona. Should we go? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I sounded promising and then I thought it you through. You really did. You didn't take very long to think mm. it through, though. No. My friends do a Shrek cosplay group every year. And every time I see it, I'm like, well, this is why I live in Indiana. I'm glad they don't live in Indiana. That's the joke here. Ugh, okay. 
So tonight's case is no fun. So I'm glad we just had a lot of fun in the intro because I'm about to bring Kylie down to a very low point in her night. Yay. (laughs) Can't wait. Can't wait. Glad I'm here for it. So this story is about a guy named Jason Keel Sweeney. Love the middle name, though. Right. Uh, He lived from July 29th, 1986 to May 30th, 2003. That wasn't that long ago. He was a construction worker from the neighborhood town of Fishtown, which is part of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Fishtown is said to be a really hip town. It's near the Delaware River. And at 16 years old, he was murdered. So today we're going to talk about how and why. You did that thing where you monologue the first part and then you just completely do it straight face. I'm just like, <laughs> OK, I just I, I don't know. I I'm nervous with those small little paragraphs where I like give a little disclaimer right there what the episode's about i always think i'm gonna make a big fuck up in those why so i try to i don't know like sum- so i try to like get them out as fast as i can yeah summarize it because then the rest of the time when i fuck up y'all can't be mad <laughs> you know what's gonna happen <laughs> you know what to expect so jason kill sweeney was born july 29th 1986 he is a leo he's born on the same day as allison mack put a pen in it and that's National Chicken Wing Day. Yes, that is the best day. Now, let's take that pin out and talk about that. Allison Mack, who is she? I have no idea. Okay, she was in a TV show that has to do with superheroes. Do you want to take a guess? Nope. I've seen many of those. She <laughs> co-starred Tom Welling. All right. She played Chloe from the Smallville TV show. Okay. And recently we went and saw Tom Welling. So this is kind of crazy. But anyways, uh, she played Chloe, which is Lois Lane's cousin, who introduces Tom Welling, which is Clark Kent, to the this is a tangent, but I promise this will relate. Just listen, guys. In Smallville. I never saw that. Yes, in Smallville. And she is the one that teaches Clark Kent, hey, you should be on the newspaper so that he like goes to Metropolis and gets in the newspaper and meets Lois, blah, 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 blah. Allison Mack, the real girl, right? She gets done acting in Smallville, the TV show, and she's like, what should I do with the rest of my life? I'm going to create a sex cult where people brand other people. And she was one of the leaders of the Nexium cult. This is a real life thing. Like, I'm not like telling another story. If you look up the Nexium cult in true crime world, she is a big player in it. And she's still suffering the consequences of it. Like, I think she's in jail or something now for it. I don't even remember where she's at now, but we'll cover it someday. Yikes. But yeah. I need a I need a visual now. She has like short blonde hair. Okay, I think she's re- kind of cutesy. You showed me crazy enough. Her. I really liked her in Smallville. She was my mom's favorite character. And then I had to like tell my mom. My mom's like, well, fuck that. Hey, remember that person that you really liked? Yeah, she went. Um, well, you shit. get ready. So oh, she's adorable. Yeah, uh, but like not right. She runs a sex cult. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's like not children of international God bad, like the mm-hmm. uh, children of God slash the family international available in the archives. She's not it's not that bad of a cult, but it's 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 a pretty, pretty bad cult. So she's like if Britney Snow. And. I love Britney Snow, so keep going. Yeah, hold on. There's like three people that she is like morphed into. But with the blonde hair, she looks like, yeah, like this picture. Like, tell me that's not Britney Snow. It's just she has a different nose. That's what it is. Yeah. Britney Snow with a bad nose. <laughs> but Britney Snow and why can't um, um, Emma. Roberts? No. Harry Potter. Emma. Will. Well, wait, 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 wait. Hermione we'll go with Britney Snow and Hermione okay yep if they had a baby yeah so I thought that was a cool cool one to throw in there because it's true crime related so yeah Allison Mack also insane Jason was born in Philadelphia Pennsylvania to Dawn and Paul Jason had a younger sister named Melissa and he was just said to be part of a normal working class family Melissa and Jason were really close, by the way. Dawn worked as bank teller. Paul ran a small construction company. And Dawn went on to talk about her son after um, this all happened. And she described Jason as the sweetest, kindest, most gentle child in the world. He was the kid in the schoolyard that if he saw someone being bullied, he would intervene. 
Everyone knew that Jason was kind, hardworking, funny, and just a good person to be around. Although he eventually dropped out of school in 10th grade, he started working for Paul, his dad's construction company. And I think part of it was because he admired his family and stuff. So like working there was a good thing for him. It was like, yeah, I stopped going to school, but I'm at least making my parents proud by working at this. Jason did have goals of becoming a Navy SEAL, and he wanted to attend Valley Forge Military School and College in Wayne, Pennsylvania. Here's my question. You can't join the Navy without a high school degree, though. You can get like your. So I'm wondering if he did his GED or anything. I couldn't figure it out. But in 2001, Jason was accepted in the school. He just couldn't afford tuition yet. So I assume in my mind that while doing the construction business, he also got his GED. So that's just another thing to say, like he maybe hated school, but he still was determined. That's why I brought it up. He was a go getter. Yeah. And like maybe it just yeah, maybe school just wasn't his thing. Like that's that happens to people, you know. Mm hmm. In fourth grade, Jason had became best friends with a guy named Edward Edward Batzig. Some people call him, uh, oh, sorry, Edward Batzig Jr. Uh, some people call him Eddie, but in all the like um, news things that I watched, everyone called him Edward, so I'll keep with Edward, but I don't know. He might be an Eddie. Dawn and Paul were not fans of Edward, and they eventually told Jason he should just end the friendship because they noticed Edward was a really bad influence. He had gotten caught breaking into a house. He was addicted to drugs. And I don't mean just like, ah, he smoked pot a little bit. Like he was heavily addicted to weed and heroin. And Jason, like any normal kid, ignored his parents when they told him this. He's like, no, mom, dad, that's my friend. He not only stayed friends with Edward, but every single time I've gone Edward, (laughs) every single time uh, he befriended two other bad influence kids while in high school. These were two brothers, 16-year-old Nicholas Koya and 17-year-old Dominic Koya. At some point, these two kind of stopped being friends with Jason and started ignoring him, but they stayed friends with Edward. So, like, they were still around. They just weren't, like, good friends with Jason. Friendships weren't the only thing changing in Jason's life when he was a young teen. At 16 years old, Jason started developing a crush on a girl named Justina Morley. The two started seeing each other and going on dates. Jason thought Justina was sweet and he couldn't wait to someday bring her home to meet his family. That wouldn't ever happen, unfortunately, because Justina was not the person that she pretended to be for Jason. And soon her true colors showed. On May 30th, 2003, which would be Memorial Day weekend, Jason left his parents' house to meet with Justina for a date. They walked and they talked while like walking around the town And at one point, Jason stopped and like got them sodas at a nearby store and they were like drinking them and walking over, talking, you know, and they were going to head over to a place called the Trails. The Trails is a wooded area near the Delaware River that teens would hang out at. Kids would like hang out there because it was kind of like a like like a little like river park and it was secluded. So if they wanted to like get their smooch on, they could if they wanted to like smoke a little weed, they could, you know, it was like hidden enough but also like it wasn't like in the woods you know like scary yeah yeah when jason failed to come home later that evening his parents got really worried because that was not like him so his mother was worried and she kept repeatedly calling jason but he wasn't answering his phone which also was not like jason the parents ended up reporting him missing the local authorities that night and the authorities actually like took it into consideration which does not Happen very often in right. <laughs> so like no, you have to wait. Yeah, and for once they were like, hmm, okay, well, like listen, yeah. The thing about true crime that always gets me is if they're under eighteen, they're always like, oh, you can't report them missing for twenty four hours, but the first forty eight hours is the most crucial. But then right. if they're over eighteen, they're like, well, they're over eighteen. We don't. They can leave if they legally want to, and it's like, okay, so neither still of these missing. scenarios work for me here, <laughs> right? Well, luckily, this time that didn't happen. The next day, two teens were out hanging out at the trails and they saw a bunch of blood. The two boys thought that had to be really odd, but they were like, you know, like it obviously is an animal that died or something. That's the only thing that makes sense, right? But then they found a bloody body that was beyond recognition. It was covered in blood. The pants were down around the ankles. It had no shirt on. And there was a rock covering part of the face, but the face was so smashed in they physically couldn't make out what it looked like yikes so their first instinct was to call 911 and investigators showed up right away and they saw the same unrecognizable body and they were like 
Okay, like we can't physically even tell who this is. The face was beaten in to the point where they couldn't identify it or even place an age of how old this person would be. Pieces of his face, skin, and teeth were missing and not attached to the head anymore. The lead detective, Mark Williford, said the scene was so horrendous, it worried him from the get-go that they might not ever be able to figure out who it was. They figured it was a John Doe and it might stay a John Doe because they had no way of tracing who this was or even getting, like, any idea. Because you couldn't get, couldn't get full, like, Dental teeth. records, they yeah. couldn't get fingerprints. There was nothing. They weren't getting anything, right? So the face was torn to pieces. The body had no cash or ID. The pockets were turned inside out. The pants were around the ankle. There was a bloody rock nearby. There was a bloody hatchet next to the body. There was dirt caked under the nails as if the person had been grabbing towards the ground. Overall, this was an an awful, horrific scene at this point. The body was brought into the medical office for Ian Hood to examine. He noticed the body was fresh enough to have the murder have to have happened in the past 24 hours. He could tell that much. So that meant they were searching for someone who would have been murdered on that Friday night. Ian noted that there was a laceration on the hand, like kind of on the wrist hand area that was healing. So this would have happened before the murder, but it wouldn't have happened too long ago because it was still in the healing process, right? Other than that, the skulls, I entirely destroyed every single bone in this person's face is destroyed except for his left cheekbone every single bone in his skull and face is broken his nose his forehead his jaw his chin his every single thing that's so many bones and that's so much to continue to shatter on a person like even though well, it's painful if that's if you're alive died. yes yeah Because you're thinking, and there was a rock nearby, a bloody rock. So you're thinking this person's being bashed over the head with a rock, probably. Like, continuously. You're not breaking all these bones at once. You're breaking part of the right side, part of the left side, part of the jaw, part of the jaw, part of the nose, part of the... And sometimes, you know, you're going to hit it and it's not going to break. So... Well, and it's not, like, accurate. No. (laughs) You can't really control... Where you're hitting each time. Some of the attacks were made with a uh, with a shaped object that would have dealt a blow about two to three inches deep. I know I worded that weird, but it's because they didn't know what what kind of shape it was. It's something that would have had to been slightly sharp. So at this point, we now know it's a hatchet. So this hatchet hit him about two to three inches deep. But some of them weren't hatchet shaped like a hatchet will leave like kind of a line impression. Mm-hmm. Some of these blows are almost like a circular square shape. So I'm not going to tell you what that is yet, but it's not the hatchet and it's not the rock. And it's two to three inches deep now in this person's skull. Detective Richard Reinhold was on the scene and he started going through missing person records Because he knew that since it was someone that had gotten murdered 24 hours ago, they're going to start looking through the last week of someone that went missing potentially. And they're looking for to see if anyone mentioned someone with a scar or a mark on the hand that had been reported missing. Finally, the detective actually came across something. Someone had mentioned an identifying mark as a scab on their arm from a 24 hour ago missing persons report where a mother called in her missing son. So the police went over to this home and it was the Sweeney home to try and get more information. The family corroborated that Jason Sweeney worked construction and had recently got a cut across his hand. And actually, it was Melissa that told her parents she should put that like he had that cut on his hand. She's like, oh, like in case anyone like sees him reaching for something, they'll see that cut on his hand. Like Mm -hmm. if he was abducted, like sees his arms. Right, 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 right. So the sad part is, is that cut on his hand was the only thing that the family could use to identify Jason because they couldn't tell who he was beyond that. But the family was super adamant on seeing Jason, even though he was in such bad shape. And it was like their religious beliefs that they really wanted to have an open casket funeral. So they started contacting different places that they knew that could like get Jason to look presentable. But even like they were contacting places even out of the state and stuff like really well-known morgues and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and even as they were doing that due to the way his face like the shape that it was in they said that even if they tried their hardest they would estimate it take over a year to restore him to look like 
presentable in an open casket. So they weren't even able to get that closure. The authorities told the family that Jason's ID was missing. Jason's pockets were turned inside out. He had no cash on him, anything. And that got the Sweeney's to wondering if this was a robbery because they told the authorities that that day on that Friday, Jason was actually paid and he would have his money on him. His father said he had about $500 on him after getting paid that day. So the next step was to try to find a list of people who had seen Jason alive to know if that's how he went missing or like if they knew anything or knew anything about him getting robbed. Instantly, the family told the authorities about how he was going to be going on a date that night with his first ever girlfriend, Justina. So detectives first want to question Justina. When they tell Justina that Jason was murdered, she like was not surprised. She was just like, oh, okay, yeah. And they were like, oh, okay, that's fucking shady, right? Like, right. First raised eyebrows, right? So they asked her when the last time she saw Jason alive was and where they were at. She tells police she saw him Friday during the day. But then that night, her and some friends were going to go to a party in the woods that night and he did not want to come. So the police obtained Justina's phone records and they note that she didn't contact Jason at all that night, which was suspicious because they were like, "Okay, if you guys split up, wouldn't you have at least been like, hey, I'm at the party or like, hey, I'm leaving the party. Hey, I miss you. I'm at the party like anything. But she didn't text him once, not once. And I mean, that's kind of like you don't have to. It depends on who you are. But also you're like 15 and 16 ish years old. You're going to you're going to text them. I feel like. Maybe it just seems odd. Yeah. So the police were like, okay, it, it's it's at least odd. Whatever. The police start wondering who the friends that she was going to go with is. And she names Edward, Nicholas, and Dominic. So, you know, his three friends. Weird, right? The police say, well, we should bring them in for questionings, especially Edward, because that's Jason's best friend. Like, his whole life, practically. The authorities do the same tactic to Edward. They tell him that Jason was murdered to see the reaction. And similar to Justina, he just didn't have a reaction. The authorities didn't get a good vibe because they were like upset almost at the fact that the teens were upset that their friend and boyfriend had just been brutally murdered, like brutally murdered. And they mentioned that. Right. It's not just like, hey, he he died in a car crash, you know, like he was drunk driving. He died. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. If someone's drunk driving they potentially could have that happen but no like this man was walking and he got brutally murdered and attacked beyond all reasoning to where we cannot figure out who it is except for a scar on his wrist and you guys aren't worried at all right okay makes sense great super yeah when they asked edward who could have done it he was like i have no idea because everyone loved jason he was the kind of guy that no one would hurt him everyone loved him everyone loved jason no one would ever hurt him and they were like Okay. All right. Like, okay, thanks. So like, they also asked Justina who would have murdered him. And her thing was no one would have murdered him. Everyone loved Jason. He was that kind of guy. Everyone loves Jason. Everyone loves him. So they're like, huh? Okay. Like, okay, thanks. So they notice already that these, these stories are a little, little almost too matchy matchy. It's always weird when they match too much. Also, that's another like odd thing, but okay, whatever. We'll keep going. Right. Edward gave an alibi. He said that he was at a party that night waiting for Jason, but that Jason never showed up. And that when Justina came to the party, she said Jason wasn't going. And so they all hung out at the party. And that was the end of it. Right. Okay. He repeated the exact same story as Justina to a T. It was so exact that it sounded rehearsed. The police said. Mm. Now, if that wasn't weird enough, the police were wrapping up interviews and doing paperwork. Right. That night, after doing these first two, because they're going to do the two Koya brothers later, but they're doing the paperwork for the first two interviews and they get a fucking phone call. Who's on the phone call? Paul and Melissa, Jason's dad and sister. And they were like, hey, something really weird just happened. And the police are like, yeah, what happened? And they're like, Edward and Nicholas Koya just showed up at our house and were asking us questions about like if the cops found anything and if they have leads and who they think could have murdered Jason and everything. But that wasn't what's weird about it, even like that's weird. But that wasn't the weird thing. Paul said the boys literally were eager to know if like the police had leads and everything and that they were acting super weird and that Paul ended up getting confrontational due to their behavior because it was so weird and that Paul was convinced they had to have known something about Jason's murder. Well, and how like disrespectful. Truly. 
Like, I mean, I hate to always talk sorry, about Sorry, like, <laughs> your son was brutally murdered, but like, do they have any leads? Can you tell me? Oh. I'm really eager to know. Can you tell me? I... I always want to bring up like a case that we haven't heard, but then I know you won't get it. So I always try to relate back to a case we've already done. Mm-hmm. These these idiot kids very much give me the murders of Cassie Joe's daughter vibes. Yeah. Like dumb and egotistical thinking like no one's going to catch us. Ho, ho, ho. And the one kid. <sighs> I don't remember. Um, that- he was like laying there. And he, yeah, it's cold. <laughs> what are you saying? No, I don't know. I don't remember. I think it's part of a short story. He has a really weird name. Is it Swedish? I think it's Swedish. Augie. Um. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what you're talking about in general. You're supposed so to know these things. I don't even know what you're referencing though i'm so confused was it scary movie short stories scary movie murders oh okay okay who was it i thought you were still talking about no um maybe it wasn't the alice Bopert murder i thought you were talking because I thought you were talking about the Cassie Joe Stoddart case. But he survived like a couple days and he was just laying there after his friends murdered him. Murdered him. He survived. They tried to murder him. And they were, it was definitely the scream. It was the scary movie murders. Oh, are you talking about Ashley? The one that couldn't speak and stuff because... They missed the brain yes. and stuff. And then in the end, he still dies because he gets in a fucking car crash. Yes. Okay, that's Ashley. Okay. I was, I was close. That was not close. You said he had a really weird name. His name was Ashley. It was like, Augie. well, okay, yeah, but uh, okay. I'm getting those vibes. Okay. <laughs> Whew, that was rough. <laughs> Sorry. All right. We figured it out, though. Yep. Yeah, we did. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting not so good vibes from all of these kids so far. It seems very, mm, this is a case you don't know, but it reminds me for all you true crimeies out there, the Pamela Smart case, all the students in her class. It's very that vibe. All right. So at this point, they were reviewing what they've learned so far. And they were like, okay, we still have to call in the Koya brothers, right? So due to Paul calling the police, they were like, yeah, we definitely should call on these Koya brothers to see if they're going to corroborate the same story we've heard at this point. So they called in Nicholas first. He repeated the same story, except for he added a new little piece of information to the story. Nicholas was like talking about Justina and he admits that he recently had a sexual encounter with Justina. Hmm. So. That's weird. Little sus. Then Dominic was next and he gave the exact same story. It seemed rehearsed and everything was the same. And then he recently talked about how he had a sexual encounter with Justina. Also seems sus. So that's (laughs) odd, right? Okay. Now, all four of these kids at this point were claiming innocence, saying they had no idea what could have happened, who could have done it. This guy, Jason's the sweetest guy in the world. Like who would have hurt him? But then Justina and her mother get taken into the homicide detective unit because they kind of were going to fake her out and tell her that they knew that her story was a lie and knew that she had seen Jason last to get her reaction to see if maybe she would start to crack under the pressure. Right. Mm-hmm. They Good were cop, ho- bad cop. Yeah. They were kind of just hoping that they would catch her in the lie and that it would like unravel things. Justina started crying and she got really upset, but authorities told her that if she rats out her accomplices They would help her out. So, of course, what happens? Justina mentions how there was talk that Edward and the Koya brothers had been conspiring and bragging about wanting to steal Jason's paycheck. And they were going to use the money on drugs and it would be really easy to rob Jason. Now, the plan was for Justina to pretend to like Jason. Mm. Okay, to pretend to like him pretend to date him mm-hmm. and eventually lure Jason to the trails with the promise of sex since Jason was a virgin. 
So they were going to use sex as the bait because then that would give them also a reason for Jason to be nude and vulnerable. And they hoped that they could catch him with his pants around his ankle so that he couldn't like run after them. Because again, they were telling her this is just a just a robbery, right? Right. Supposedly. Once they got there, the boys would be ready to mug him and they would leave with the cash. They supposedly never wanted to hurt Jason at all. That's what they said. So she said, while they were all there, what really happened was uh, they started making out. They started getting undressed. She took off his shirt. She got his pants down around his ankle. And then the boys were hiding in a bush nearby and they were putting on latex gloves so that they wouldn't get caught. Right. And which is just an eerie thought even of itself, because, you know, that you're being shady at this point. If you're just going to rob him, just take his shit and go. You don't need these gloves and all that. Right. Then they started suiting up with rocks, a hammer and a hatchet. So you you hear where that new Mm -hmm. two to three inch deep wound is coming from now. A Mm -hmm. hammer. And Justina said that when she saw the weapons, she panicked and realized they weren't just going to rob Jason, but she was too scared to do anything about it. She's a pussy. With all this new information, the authorities realized they needed to bring all four kids back in for questioning to get the story straight. But they needed to do it ASAP before the kids could have a chance to, like, rehearse any more of the stories or change them or anything. So they told the three boys they knew the truth thanks to Justina's story and that they were all going to be charged with murder. At this point, you would think the three boys would hate Justina, right? Right. (sighs) No, they don't. It's because she has a vagine. She's. You knew I was going to say. Okay, I don't even care. She's not a victim here. She's fucking ugly. Oh, she has dead eyes. She has the most dead eyes I've ever fucking seen on a human. What Uh, is her last name? uh, Justina Morley. Morley. Someone on some podcast one time I was listening to it and they described her as looking like Lord Voldemort and I'll never unsee it now. Now all of you guys are Googling it because you're like, wait, what? You're right. Yes. Oh my God, I can't unsee it. She is dead-eyed Voldemort girl. It's rough. It's rough. So Edward was the first one to crack and admit. He right away says, yes, he did it. And he showed zero regret. He tells authorities that he helped murder his best friend. And why did he do it? To impress Justina because he liked her. That is the best thing to do. That's what every How girl wants. How fucked up is Justina that, that impresses this her? man either take a rock, a hammer, or a hatchet to the person she's pretend dating and making out with will get her rocks off. I'm- Fuck you, Justina. <laughs> I mean, if you're Harley Quinn, but, you know, no, most people Harley are Harley Quinn even is more normal than this. And that's saying something because she's psycho. Yeah. Maybe. Edward then tells authorities that he ambushed and attacked Jason first. His best friend. His best friend. He ambushed his best friend and attacked him first. Right. And he insisted on doing it that way. Edward hit him with the hatchet four or five times in the head. And that was the blows that the coroner noted. Being the really deep ones to the side of his head. Edward told a detective, Jason started begging for his life, but we just kept hitting him. He also mentioned that Jason looked at him during the beating and said, please stop, I'm bleeding. And of course, he did not stop. The story portrayed that Edward ambushed and attacked Jason first with the with the hatchet, followed by the Koya brothers jumping out and taking turns attacking him with hammers and rocks, mostly on his face and head until he was dead. So he, like, did not die from these blows to the head. It was a while till he died. And that was another thing that they all mentioned. Mm-hmm. The teens ended this bloody event by dropping a boulder on the right side of his head. Jason's face and head was destroyed beyond any recognition and crushed in every possible way, like I had said earlier. Once the whole event was over, the four teens stole the $500 paycheck from Jason, which they used to buy weed, heroin, and Xanax. I don't know. I don't. Is that a lot of weed, heroin and Xanax? No idea. I mean, same. Probably. Can anyone tell us? (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that's illegal to DM us and tell us how much weed, heroin and Xanax costs of $500. But I I mean, we could figure out the weed part, but the other parts. We're not good at that. Nope. 
You would think we know more things than we do. We know nothing. (laughs) Nope. But also $500. You just took, you robbed an innocent human being of their life for $500. That's going to last you what? Like a weekend on drugs? I feel like. Right. I've watched Breaking Bad. It doesn't last long. I know that much. And now his parents don't have a child anymore. I mean, they have Melissa, but they don't have Jason anymore. That fuck you guys. Okay. The Coyer brothers confirmed the same story and confessed to the crimes. Dominic confessed that they planned the murder days before it. They took part in preparation for the murder. And part of the preparation was listening to the Beatles song Helter Skelter over 40 times. That prompted news coverage to say that this was parallel to the Manson family murders because they listened to the Helter Skelter song and like wrote it at the crime. Mm -hmm. What was Manson's first name? That's the easiest question I could ever give you here. Manson? Mm -hmm. The Manson murders? What was the guy's first name? No. It begins with a C. Chuck. Chuck. Charlie. Charlie. Charles. Charles. <laughs> Carl, that kills people. Oh, oh. <laughs> Charles Manson murders. <sighs> oh, you're doing good. The Manson family. You got this. Okay. It's fine. Uh, Chuck. <laughs> Chuck Manson. <laughs> now, if we ever do a Charles Manson episode, we have to call him Chuck Manson the whole time and the no one will day. do it. Yep. Damn. <laughs> And we won't even remember what episode we talked about this in. Nope. We'll just be like, it's in the archives somewhere. Listen to every single one. You'll find it. (laughs) You'll find it. Somewhere. Eventually. Dominic added another detail, though. He said that the four teens admitted to being proud and sharing a group hug at the trails before splitting up the money after they did this. Because they were like so proud of themselves. They had to bring it in, hug it out, you know, bring it in. Hug it out. Not even like a chest bump, like a full on group hug. Fucked up. The authorities started asking if there was drugs or alcohol involved because they were like, maybe that'll at least make it like not better, but like more understandable. Like maybe they were super fucked up and they were like, no, 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 no. We were 100 percent sober. We wanted Jason to suffer like they even like there was like a famous quote that made it into the headlines that were like, we were more sober than we've ever been in our whole lives. That wasn't the exact quote, but yeah. Other than the adrenaline rushing through their veins. Dominic said he was the one that used the hammer and that he waited for Edward to take the first few swings like Edward said he would. And then they ambushed. He mentioned how he was hitting Jason so hard with the hammer that at one point it got lodged in Jason's skull. Dominic also mentioned that Nicholas used a rock to hit Jason and to get him to stop trying to flee. And that's where the whole like uh, caked fingernails comes from was he was like grabbing at the ground and trying to get up. And when he tried to get up, they were like attacking him to make him stay down. And then Nicholas was like, yeah, but like I only used a rock like as if that like I didn't use a weapon like they did. It was it was it was only a rock. Right. Guys, I did. nature. It was a rock. Nature. Yeah. As if that made it better. No. The Koya brothers talked about how afterwards they went to a friend's house and they washed up to get the blood off them and they bragged about killing Jason and how they finally got away with doing it. Like they they did it. They got that money. Mm, very uh scream like. Uh where's that friend? Why didn't that friend not like fucking come forward? Who is that? Who's the guy? Who let you wash up in his house? I have beef with that guy. <laughs> sir, sir, we need to talk. This is a problem. Nicholas also mentioned that Justina helped and that she did actually help plan the murder. So, of course, now the police are like, well, fuck, now we got to go back to Justina. They're getting the runaround again. This time, she finally admitted to knowing more than she had let on all the previous times. She admitted she had been sleeping with Edward and both Koya brothers. Why? Because they would give her heroin. So, Yeah, she was sleeping with all three of them and then attempting to sleep with Jason for the money at this point. And that she was just leading all the guys on. Great guy or great girl. Sorry. Yeah, the best. Justina mentioned how Edward had taken the first blow. Jason staggered. He realized he was bleeding and he started to panic. That's when he like fell down, but he was trying to get up to run. And Dominic jumped on him and they started trying to attack him while he begged for them to stop. That's when he was grabbing at the ground and everything else. 
Justina, at this point, started verifying all the other stories' combinations, including the hammer getting stuck. She also verified how they stopped him from running and that Jason kept begging for them not to hurt him or kill him. Justina also said Jason's last words were him looking directly at Justina and saying, you set me up. Which is gut-wrenching. I hope she has that flashback every night before she goes to bed and just feels it in the pit of her stomach and it makes her sick every day until the day she dies. I agree. Dominic Coya, Nicholas Coya, and Edward Batsik Jr. were charged with first-degree murder, conspiracy, robbery, and possessing an instrument of a crime. All were tried together as adults instead of juveniles due to the graphic nature of how the murder was and how they showed a complete lack of remorse. Prosecutors couldn't seek the deck. deck, deck <laughs> fuck me. Prosecutors could not seek the death penalty against Edward and Nicholas because they were too young, but prosecutors did plan to seek it against Dominic Coya since he was the oldest. There is an issue here. He was still technically 17, though, so it didn't work, which I'll talk about in a minute. The detectives did support the death penalty in this case, though, and they tried to rule in favor of it, and they tried to talk the courts into doing it, even though they were underage. I can see it. I could see it. In cases like this, there's another case we're going to do in about two weeks that we're going to cover, and I could totally see it in that, too. And you guys will hear why. Sometimes it's just... Sometimes the heads will roll. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) However, during the trial, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in Roper versus Simmons that defendants under the age of 18 cannot be executed. And Dominic Coya was 14 days away from being 18 at the time of the crime. 14 days. Yeah. But during the trial, he technically was 18. But during the crime, he was still 17. So he couldn't get the death penalty, they said. That's fucked up. That's so fucked up. Why couldn't they have done it two weeks later when he had a paycheck? Well, I mean, why couldn't they have done it not done it at all? But you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So therefore, all three boys faced mandatory life sentences without parole if convicted on first degree murder. The Coya brothers and Edward were convicted on charges of first degree murder, conspiracy, robbery, and possession of an instrument of a crime. So they did get all of them. In May 2005, each one was sentenced to the mandatory life sentence in prison without parole for murder, plus... 22 and a half to 45 years for conspiracy, robbery, and prison and possessing the instrument of a crime. So they're in there forever. So the death penalty. <laughs> but they should have at that point. Like essentially. Now, I know you guys are like, what the fuck happened, Justina? You're not telling me shit. I saved her for last and because her whole trial was a sham. <laughs> All right. During the trial, there was a lot of focus on Justina because her lawyers tried desperately to get a sympathy vote because they shared her oh so tragic life story because mm. Justina had a really, really hard life. You guys just like don't understand her. Okay. Justina was expelled from public school in eighth grade because she brought two pocket knives and her purse to school. So sounds right. like a great person. Right. She then repeated eighth grade at this is a great name. Stop it. <laughs> Private Holy Name of Jesus Catholic School in Fishtown. How'd that work? Did that work? Did, did it, God settle the settle the scores? Did she stop bringing knives? Right. Did the nuns tell her not to? <laughs> Lawyers claim Justina Morley started smoking marijuana at the age of 10. Okay, that didn't go well. Shortly thereafter, she started taking prescription pills and snorting cocaine. Lovely. April Frederick, which is Justina's mother, said her daughter started cutting her wrists at age 10. Justina was hospitalized for threatening suicide and self-mutilation the year before in 2002. She was once admitted to Friends Hospital for cutting her wrist, knees, and thighs. And she had also been taking pills and she displayed a suicide poem that she attached to her bedroom door. So her mom sent her to this place, right? Now, the doctors advised that Justina needed help and needed to stay hospitalized But her mother took her out and ignored the doctors because Justina threatened and told her mom that if her mom kept her in the hospital, she would find a way and she would kill herself. And her mom did not want to see that happen. So her mom's like, I'll take her out. See, I feel like people actually are born in a sense of this mindset. Born evil? Yeah. She was. This girl is. Like, how... 
how could your life be that bad to be an excuse for all of this ridiculousness? Like, how do you go from bringing knives to school to cutting yourself to massively taking drugs? I mean, to brutally murdering someone. We knew something was off with her when someone impressed her by murdering someone in cold blood. Right. Like, and you're sleeping with all three. Okay. So Justina's attorneys explained to the judge that the girl suffered through depression, suicide attempts, and substance abuse in order to try to get her into the juvenile court trial. But the judge ordered her to be tried as an adult for murder. So take that. Take that. Fuck you, Justina. <laughs> At that point, Justina pleaded guilty to third degree murder in exchange for her testimony against the other defendants. So she was sentenced to only 17 and a half to 35 years in prison. That that shouldn't be how that works. No. Like, why is that how it works? I don't know. I've never understood that whole concept where like, oh, OK, you admitted to it. We'll cut down your sentence. Uh, no, no. <laughs> that's not the thing here. How about you let me choose if I'm going to have life in jail or I can do the death sentence and just leave this earth since I wanted to kill myself so long ago. Right. If she no, I'm not going to do this whole thing, but you know where I was going with that. Um, moving on before I get into a touchy subject. During the trial, Joshua Stab, a friend of Dominic's, said that the group bragged about their plan to kill Jason Sweeney by using Justina Morley as bait and he had like overheard it. So he was a uh, witness? like witness to it. The prosecutor asked Stab, which is a wild last name. So sorry. <laughs> about the teen's demeanor after the killing. Stab said they seemed pretty fine in a way they seemed happy. Even, yeah, that's already just toxic. Very scream like. Very scream. Even during the preliminary hearing, the four teens were seen smiling and laughing and not taking the event seriously. Literally. Which, again, that gives me another hint into the two weeks from now's episode. In the two weeks from now episode, I already gave you guys some hints. It's another teen killing episode and it's really, really gruesome. And the killers smiled in their mugshots. So if you know what case it is, uh, DM me and I'll uh, give you a shout out, by the way. Um. <laughs> I don't know why I'm weird, but this just reminded me of a movie coming out. Have you seen the trailer for it where the girl keeps seeing people that are just smiling? Smile. Yeah. That movie is terrifying looking already. I'm never seeing it. I'm but so like, excited to watch it. That's exactly what I'm thinking of right now. Did you ever end up seeing Nope? Yeah. Okay. It's so good. We talked about it. We talked about the alien. Oh, fuck yeah, we did. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, fever dream. <laughs> Jailhouse letters to the defendants were read during the trial to understand their behavior and to determine who, if anyone, was the most culpable. So while they were in jail, they purposely allowed them all to send letters to each other, which like they don't always do that. But sometimes they do it on purpose because like right. obviously they're going to read them. I don't know how stupid you honestly have to <laughs> fucking be to be like, hmm, so Kylie and I murdered someone together. I'm going to send her detailed letters in the jail while waiting trial about the murder, but I'm going to plead not guilty. Right. No, that's not how it works, guys. Right. I feel like even if you pled not guilty and won and you were still doing time and you still did that, you would still that would still be something that would be. Uh, what's the word I want? Like it would hold evidence. up in court. There'd be evidence. Yeah. Yeah. I would mm -hmm. assume. Well, they're dumb. They're fucking dumb. They're teenagers. They're fucking stupid. So they were defense counsels were hoping that the Koyas and Edward and Justina would say stuff in these letters. And guess what happened? It it happened. Congrats. They did exactly what they thought. So they argued that Justina was the instigator that led the boys to commit the murders. I'm going to have Kylie read some of Justina's writings to Dominic. Nope. Dominic. It that's looks like Dominic. That's how it's written, yeah. but it's Dominic. Sorry. <laughs> I did so good. Um, to Dominic Koya. And these are four separate like parts of letters, but I haven't found the full letters. So I'm just Kylie's gonna read you the four parts. Go. <laughs> Go. So you say I'm manipulative. And yes, I believe I am in ways. I'm persuasively manipulative. And I think I'm pretty good at it too. I enjoy dragging people along. Next one. 
Tell me you don't enjoy these gullible humans. It's funny how easy it is to persuade them into lies. Next one. <laughs> I'm a cold-blooded fucking death-worshipping bitch who survives by feeding off the weak and lonely. I lure them and then I crush them. Fucking bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. <laughs> I am guilty, but I still don't feel guilty for anything. I still enjoy my flashbacks. They give me comfort. I love them. Oh, wait. I still enjoy my flashbacks. They give me comfort. Girl, you're deranged. Literally insane. Also, have you ever seen the movie Dude, Where's My Car? Yes. That's what you reminded me of being like, and the next one, the and no one dead. No one dead. Um, that's, <laughs> that is the first. Well, first of all, I have this unwavering crush Ashton Kutcher. of Ashton Kutcher, but that was my first Blu-ray movie ever. Really? Yes. I think that was my first like ever comfort movie in all honesty. Really? Because <laughs> I thought I was like, aliens are real. So I really like that movie. No end then. And then no end then. So on the stand, Justina testified that she did not feel remorse for the murder. And she admitted she took pride in her actions and that the planning of the murder was exciting and they were proud to accomplish all they did. The defense attorneys tried bringing up the fact that their clients were drug addicts, and so they lacked the intent to kill. But again, they also were really proud of the fact they were sober, so that didn't get very far. But the defense had gone... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like if they went to the route of that they were persuaded or manipulated, like they said in the freaking letters... I yeah. feel like that would have been better than going the way of their drug addicts. Yeah. So the sentence I was attempting was the defense attorney's goal. <laughs> but I put all three words in just, just one somehow. The goal was to change the crime to third degree murder. So it was less severe. But since the teens showed no remorse and they weren't willing to apologize for the murder, it didn't go very far. You can't even fucking say sorry. No. Nope. And Jason's family was at all the trials and hearings. Like they had to listen to all this, see it all, and like hear them being like, "Yeah, we're proud of it," and hear Justina being like, "I right. fucked everyone on the face of the planet, and I like it." It's gross. There is also a testimony in court where the teens made comments about murdering the entire Sweeney family and not just Jason. So, like, they were talking about how like they wanted to go to the Sweeney house and murder all of them. They talked about this in court. What? Yeah. <laughs> that, Where'd that where fucking did come, that from, come from, right? And why would you bring that up in court where now it's like Yeah, let's let's bring up fucking testimonies. Let's, let's bring up that we had more ideas of murdering people in court. <laughs> where it can be backtracked anytime, whatever. <laughs> so in 2012, the Supreme Court in Miller versus Alabama law changed <laughs> the fact that juveniles under 18 that are given life without parole sentences were needing to be retried to see if the sentence was just or not. Due to the belief that this is against the Eighth Amendment, that's why it started, because the Eighth Amendment is excessive bail shall not be required, nor excessive fines imposed, nor cruel and unusual punishment inflicted. So everyone was going to get a retrial, right? However, it was a state-by-state -state decision on if they want to uphold the law or not. I love that sentence. <laughs> and in Pennsylvania. Oh my God, I love that sentence. Where the boys were sentenced, the Supreme Court was like, no, nah. <laughs> no, the 2013 Miller law does not apply to us. So they didn't want to deal with it. Now, they were going to uphold the mandatory life sentences for the juveniles whose sentences were already final at the time of the Supreme Court ruling. But here's the sad part. Due to the legal bindings of what was in effect at the time, Edward and Nicholas Coya still had appeals pending at the time of the Miller. So they were granted their resentencing hearings. So you can just grandfather in that, uh, that appeal status. Apparently. But Dominic <laughs> wasn't allowed it. Fuck Dominic. Is it because he's the oldest? Yeah. Okay. And because his was like already done because his was, I think because he was the oldest one, possibly it got finished first. Yeah. At Nicholas, Co at Nicholas Coya's resentencing hearing on February 19th, 2015, Common Pleas Judge Sandy Bird sentenced him to life in prison without the possibility of parole, upholding the original 2005 sentencing. Jason's mother even testified at this court hearing, saying that he should not be allowed out. 
Paul Sweeney, the victim's father, addressed Dominic Koya at one point, And he said, look at me, Dominic. I know you think you have evil eyes, but mine are going to be staring back at you every night for the rest of your life. Fucking little prick face Dominic Koya responded to the judge asking if he would like to be heard. Because like she's like, do you want do you want to say something back? And he's like, yeah, right. I never thought I had evil eyes. But other than that, I'm, I'm I mean, that, that I'm cool. He was like, yeah, that makes me kind of cool having evil eyes. And they were like, no, no, no. <laughs> and he later is like, oh, I, that got taken out of context because he writes a memoir and he says that we interpreted that wrong. So in 2013, Dominic <laughs> writes a memoir of his life while in jail, prison. And it's titled Biological Juvenile. Clearly, though, it's exactly what we're saying. It was subsequently posted in PDF. Ow. <laughs> PDF. In PDF format on the website prisonsfoundation.org. In the memoir, he actually does express remorse for his actions. He explains that even though he didn't apologize during the final court trial, uh, he is sorry and that he criticizes the law system in the USA. He gives full context of what he did say at the trial and to detectives. He apologizes to the family and the like the Sweeney family and everyone around. And he gave a different account to the murder. Dominic now claims that he panicked when he saw Edward hit Jason and he only participated. Oh, my God. What the hell is participated? Happening? He only participated when he feared that him and his brother would get caught and that Edward would like kill them if they didn't help. So they had to help. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing. OK. Where's everyone now? Well, Justina is out and about. She's in real life. You're fucking kidding me. Nope. She ended up being released December 20th, 2020. And she's currently on parole, but she's out and about in real life. In Philly? I don't know where she's at. I don't know. Don't come here. <laughs> Dominic is still in prison and he's available available to be a prison pen pal. Um, He no longer has a bio, but he used to have a bio. And I've heard other people talk about his bio and it is the fucking most... Um, he believes he has reached enlightenment. I will say that. Well, I mean, jail will do that to you. Oh, or prison. Something. Nicholas and Edward still have their life sentences that they are upholding and they are there. Paul and Don Sweeney, the parents set up the Jason Keel Sweeney foundation and it funds a full scholarship to the Valley Forge military Academy and college every year. Because remember, that was the school of Jason's dreams that he never got to go to, mm -hmm. that he was like raising the money for. So every year they send a, a, a school, a student to go to school there. You're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So. Whew. That's that. I feel bad for the Sweeney family. Yeah. That's a sad one. It is gruesome. That is so gruesome. I couldn't imagine actually having to see the child like your child at that point but right. the fact that they like were adamant on having to that's even more sad because they weren't ready to let him go in that moment you can tell well and just literally not being able to recognize him so like trying to remember the last account of him yeah him and nonetheless that last account is probably him like smiling being excited being like i'm right. gonna go out with justina i'll be like home the later date. right yeah and him being like mom i can't wait for you to meet her like oh my gosh maybe you'll meet her when we come home and you know the parents be like don't come home too late jason you maybe you whatever like you work tomorrow or whatever right. like please you know melissa has volleyball in the morning come home at a decent hour please mm -hmm. and then knowing that that bitch is the reason your son never came home in the end right and then having to see her in court and hear her write these letters and stuff and just know that. And why the fuck is she out? Yeah. And then know that she got out and know that she got out. I would never when pay. She seems like the ringleader. I would never pay anyone to get murdered, but I want to read between the fucking lines. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Um, you know, like what rage rooms are. I would like yes. to rage room against her face though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yep. Okay. Whew. So for sources, um, I, I put this one in there. This isn't like 
a real source, but it's something that is out there. CSI Crime Scene Investigation did an episode coming of rage season four, episode 10. This sounds really, really weird, but there's like a comic about this case, but it's like a graphic novel comic. And let me like tell you the whole thing. His name's Kevin Colden and it's called Fishtown. It's a 2008 graphic novel, which was even nominated for an Eisner Award. So this dude writes graphic novels and like comic styles to tell you about crime cases. That's cool. Yes. He's helping to try to bring light to the cases and to teach people for some people that can't handle like hearing the gruesome content or something and they need it to have like some sort of slight lightness to it so they could intake this information to do better by things and like help out but they can't handle the way it's presented so he goes about it in like a graphic comic store style way at first when i heard that i was a little like oh that's offensive and then i like read more into it and i was like oh that's amazing yeah that really is something because i would never thought of that uh, there's a docu series. Um, it's from Lifetime. It's called Killer Kids. This uh episode was called Foul Ball and Framed. It's detailing the murder. It has actual footage from the crime scene. It's a little gruesome. Uh, it's the second. E- it also has a second segment, which was in the episode called Framed from 2012, and that they talk more about like the trials and stuff on the framed part. There's another docuseries called Murdered Among Friends. This episode's called Friend Fatale. It's from 2016. It's pretty good. I did have to use some news articles to kind of clear up a little bit of the mud in between things. I used the Chicago Tribune and um, the Tulsa World. And uh, that one cost a pretty penny. I don't suggest it. <laughs> I don't suggest it. Um, but it had a lot of good information. And then you can also just look up some of the videos from the court hearings and trials. So, um, Yeah. So, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, it it was. I um, don't hate people, but like I hate them. Yeah, it. Uh, Maybe not Dominic because he realizes now. Because I, I still believe most of the time that. People can be. They can at least feel remorse. You know, people can change. But. Justina. Girl, let's talk. <laughs> she is something else and not in a good way. Yeah. I think that if anyone needs like some true help, it would be her. But I don't think bringing her back into civilization is the right thing. Ever. Yeah. No. That was not the vibe. Nope. It didn't pass the vibe check, as the youth would say. But like how I'm scrolling. So give me a second. How can you say that this person, I am guilty, but I still don't feel guilty for anything. I still enjoy my flashbacks. They give me comfort. I love them. How is that person out of all of the other kids out? out? Yeah. Like that's fucked up. Truly fucked up. Well, I hope we didn't dissuade you from listening to next week's episode because this one was pretty rough. But, you know, not all of them are this rough. We do fun cryptids and we do wild cults, which now we just (laughs) talked about one that we're going to have to throw in the mix someday. Um, And I mean, we do some aliens and shit, too. (laughs) Aliens and shit. Yeah. Those are the faves. (laughs) Those are those are always the faves. (laughs) If they're not your guys' faves, we don't care. They're our faves. Yes. Very much so. So, um, anything else you want to add about Jason and his tragic murder and his poor family and these stupid fucking kids? No, I just, I hate And this wasn't that long ago. (laughs) Like, it really was not that long ago. No, it wasn't. So, these kids, they're not kids, I guess, anymore. But, like, they're... They're slightly older than us, right? Yeah, Yeah. just barely. Because Jason was born in 86, Yeah. Yeah, so it would have been like math, but like 35, 36, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, he would have been 36 because I'm 30 and he was four uh six years older than me. Okay. So I don't remember when he was born. Uh I never Yeah. Yeah. We had this conversation in the last episode where yeah. Kylie doesn't remember well, anything I, whatsoever I, after I, these episodes. I did say nineteen eighty six multiple times right here, but you were not like it did not 
go anywhere. No, I'm too angry to <laughs> think of anything else. And to math right now. I'm too yeah. hungry to math, so I feel you. Yeah. Always hungry. Always hungry. <laughs> so thank you guys to all of you that helped make this podcast what it is. Kylie and I could not do this alone. Thank you to Damon Vakovsky for creating our theme song and sound bits. Our original artwork with Taylor with Lab Monkey Creative on Instagram. Our editing is done by Corey with core.media.photography on Instagram. Don't forget to follow the Instagram, which is at Cryptic Soup Pod, where our DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. Our giveaway winner today DM'd us and she is ready to receive her prize. So I told Miss Kayla over at our prize giveaway store. <laughs> I'm like holding like a little thing We're as Vanna if she's Whiting, doing it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> And so hopefully soon we can get some pictures of her baking it and yes. stuff so we can show you guys. Please. And then that just means that we have to get on doing another one someday. Thank you guys for all you that leave an ad. Ad? No, you don't leave ads. We leave ads. We leave ads. We put ads. <laughs> um, apples. Yeah. <laughs> um, fruit. The fruit. fruit. The fruit podcast, um, the Apple podcast reviews and ratings and or Spotify ratings because they help us get our names out there. They help share our podcast. They put us on lists, stuff like that. And if you leave a bad one, please tell us why. Because if you leave a bad one and we don't know why, we can't fix whatever's making you sad. And if you're sad or mad, let us fix it. Yeah. Or don't leave it and just DM us and we'll fix the thing. That would be even greater. That would be best. Yes. <laughs> um, remember, guys, to subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up with us, and remember to join the conversation. We'll see you next Tuesday for our 50th episode. 50. Stay tuned. Beck, you're a liar. Oh. Your computer just made a noise at me. That's all. <laughs> was it the computer or was it my foot? Because I just. No, it went ding, ding, ding. Oh, I like tripped. I didn't hear it. That's I weird. heard it in the headphones. Okay. Okay. Even during the. Pro uh, nope. <sighs> Fuck shit. Jailhouse letters. Jailhouse rock. BRB while the elephants fall down the staircase in our house. <laughs>